Well, hello, hello. My name is Josh and I'm a pastor here and I get the privilege to chat with you guys at whatever time you're listening to. Um, This episode on our podcast is a little bit different, uh, mostly because I'm currently sitting (laughs) alone in my home uh, with a microphone. Um, So I get to chat with you guys from the comfort of my home about faith. And so we we spoke about this um, a few weeks ago at church, and I get the privilege to share to share with you guys that same message, just in a different context. Um, and so today we're talking about faith. And so the Rock Church is currently in the midst of a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. Um, and so I thought, because, you know, prayer and fasting, they're all kind of, um, they can all kind of sit under the umbrella of faith actions or things that we do in relation to our faith. I thought that it would be good to talk about faith in general. And one of the things that always confused me growing up was the topic of faith. See, there was a lot of talk about faith. We were told to stir up our faith, to pray and fast in faith. And some of it was inherited teaching, some was brought in um, by other movements, positions on faith, and some some of these teaching were based on experiences that um, we experienced of faith, all of which are valid, but I never really felt like I had much clarity on faith. I mean, it seemed a little mystical and hard to understand. And what I'm talking about here isn't salvific faith, as in the faith that um, causes you to be saved, as in um, the faith where you place your life and your trust and your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross, where, where, where he died on the cross for our sins, and then we place our faith in him, and then we have assurance of everlasting life with God in heaven. Um, it's not that faith, but I'm, I'm talking about the faith that we work out every single day after that moment. Like, what does that faith look like? So this morning, I want to, well, today, I want to bring a perspective. And um, I mean, I'm not an authority on this. I haven't written a book about seven steps of faith. (laughs) But I, I just wanted to bring a perspective on faith that really helped me. And I believe and I pray can also help you um, today. Now, this is the reason why um, I am recording this away from a Sunday morning, because I believe that this is um, something that can set people free and bring a little bit more grace to this topic from um, what a lot of people hold um, in terms of their their beliefs on faith. And so this morning's or today's message, um, I've titled The Faith That Always Gets Answered. Now, I know I've hooked you in now. Now, here's the thing. I remember hearing that story where Jesus said, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and then it will be moved. You know, you know that story? It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, Jesus didn't actually move a mountain. However, he did raise someone from the dead. He did walk on water. And he probably could have, um, by his faith, moved a, a literal mountain. Um, but this was the lens that I remember we would constantly use when talking about faith. You know, if you just have a little bit of faith... And I remember one week I even got given mustard seeds, which, as you know, are absolutely tiny, you know, tiny. And so the concept was I'd look at these mustard seeds and if I just have faith that big, then I can move a mountain and you could move a mountain with that faith. So logically, I would think, okay, 
I think I have mustard seed faith, right? So why, why was I not seeing things that were much less smaller than a mountain move? Why weren't they moving? I mean, I believe, so why is that there? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I got the faith of three mustard seeds and I'm broke, Jesus. <laughs> why? Or, you know, there's the mustard seed faith, but then we also heard about the walking on water faith. You know, the, the, that, that story of Peter walking out on the water and he had the faith to walk on the water. You know, I, if you were a Christian kid, you definitely did what I did. I remember after a youth camp, I was sitting on a wharf, you know, dangling my white sun-deprived legs um, into the water. <laughs> and, and I would just touch the bottom of my feet on the water. And I was, I was sitting there and I remember believing I can walk on water. I can walk on water. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And you will not believe it. But every single time I had so much faith, but every single time I got soaking wet. <laughs> so I thought, well, I just need to grow my faith, right? Like this, this is how we respond. So I'm fasting and I'm straining myself in prayer because isn't that what you're supposed to do? I remember faith preachers yelling at God in prayer. I remember being in prayer meetings where it seems like the louder you pray, the, the more spiritual you are. And isn't that what spirituality is? It's straining. It's praying like it's all on you. It's kind of like Jedi mind tricks. If I just... <laughs> but that's what I thought faith was. Or, or another side of faith is that, that I've heard is, you know, just get rid of all the negativity. Have you heard that one? Like, man... You look sick. I'm not sick. I'm just walking in victory. You're missing an arm. No, I'm not. I'm walking in victory. I'm decreeing and declaring. Well, now the other arm's gone. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> That's a bad reference. Um, but but so, so there's this like Jedi mind trick uh, faith. And then there's this whole, if I say it, it should happen faith. And so what happens is when when it doesn't happen, we begin to think, well, is there something wrong with me? So then we just avoid the topic of faith altogether. Perhaps because we never understood faith in the first first place. And then we become formulaic and we can and we can treat things like prayer and fasting as a formula. But when it doesn't work, maybe it doesn't work because there was a misunderstanding of faith the whole time. So I, I, I want to look at a bunch of different scriptures that kind of form these weird ideas of what faith is. And I wanted to unpack it um, and, and delve a little bit deeper into faith because I, uh, over the last few years, I, I realized that as I began to pull on the string of faith and I began to pull on the string that these verses created, all of these verses begin, began to unravel before me. So in Mark 11, it says this, Mark eleven twenty three. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, so here's that scripture, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And so many have interpreted this verse to mean, if we could just get rid of all of our doubts, then we can pray anything and it will happen. Now, to truly understand this verse, we need to look at the context. 
And so the context of this is that Jesus had just cursed the fig tree on the top of the Mount of Olives, which was a mountain just outside of Jerusalem. So he cursed this fig tree and then he walked down the mountain into Jerusalem. He went to the temple and he created a whip and drove out all of the money changers at the temple. Why did he do that? Because they turned the temple into a place um, whose purpose was other than worship. And so they had desecrated this temple, which was designed for worship. So he drove those guys out and then him and his disciples return to the Mount of Olives. And Peter sees this fig tree and he points out that the the fig tree has withered. The fig tree had died. And then Jesus responds with this verse that truly I say to you, says to this mountain. And so what happens is we, we take this verse and Many people have just ripped it out of its context. Now, we can't just rip a verse out of its context. When we're reading the Bible, we need to interpret the Bible with the Bible. We can't interpret it through our own lens, our own biases, our own beliefs. We need to interpret it with the Bible. And and you can, and so what's happened is people have taken this verse, ripped it out of its context, made a proof text out of it. And instead of interpreting the verse by the Bible, they interpret the Bible through this lens of this verse. Now, we need to understand that all throughout Jesus's ministry, he quotes the Old Testament. And this is no different, this verse. See, all, all throughout the Old Testament, you, you begin to see that Israel is referred to as like a fig tree. Specifically, the metaphor of a fig tree is used when referring to the disobedience of Israel. So it's no accident that Jesus cursed the fig tree and then immediately goes into Jerusalem where he drives out the money changers from the temple. See, the fig tree here is representing Israel's disobedience in that they had allowed the temple to be desecrated and turned away from a place of worship. And so Jesus is making this statement of the disobedience of Israel, allowing that temple to be desecrated. And then he says this this verse about faith. And just like the fig tree, he's also quoting a verse in the Old Testament. He's quoting Zechariah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, who had this dream of the end times. Now, I'm not going to talk about end times, but essentially in this dream, he says this, Zechariah 14, verse 4, it says, on that day as in the end times, his feet, as in God, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west, forming a very large valley. Half of the mountain will move, or in Jesus's words, say to this mountain, and it will be thrown into the sea. Half of the mountain will move towards the north and the other half towards the south. On that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, the purposes of God, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. So when Jesus is quoting this in Mark 11, he's actually standing exactly where God is standing in Zechariah's vision, where the Mount of Olives is split in half and the living waters then flow out from Jerusalem across the land. See, we need to understand that the Mount of Olives in this verse in Zechariah represents what stands in the way of God's kingdom purposes on earth. The only way that the living waters could could flow out from Jerusalem was when the Mount of Olives was split in half and moved towards 
the north and the south. So our idea of speaking to a mountain and commanding it to be moved represents speaking to anything that stands in the way of God's will. So the focus is not on us exercising faith to get what we want. The focus is on us submitting to the kingdom purposes of God and allowing God to use us as an instrument for the establishment of those purposes. See, in reading, in reading this scripture, we're encouraged not to think that this is mind over matter, that, that if I just name it and claim it with no doubt, then I can have it. It's about removing the negative thoughts. It's about saying the right words. See, in fact, if we think that faith is this absolute certainty of mental belief or an unwavering assurance in the emotional realm, you know, like, I feel good about this today. You know, the preacher gets his preacher voice on and then we're all like, yeah, yeah, I got faith today. If we think that's what faith is, then we'll lose half the Bible's role models of faith because Abraham laughs at God about his promises to him. David constantly doubts in the Psalms. You just have to read the Psalms. Jonah runs away from God's plans. Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, yet they're our role models. So they didn't have mental certainty. They all had doubts. See, they, and they also went on an emotional high. See, psychologists believe that Paul most likely went through some sort of clinical depression. Yet they are our role models of faith. See, at the end of the day, we find that the man and the woman of faith will do what God says in spite of everything else. Faith is about obedience to the word of God. Faith isn't about convincing myself of something or feeling the reality of something. Faith is simply the willingness that I have to walk in obedience as a weak person sustained by God's grace and promise. Nowhere do we see that these people strengthened themselves, but it says that Abraham and these others were strengthened. He cast himself as a weak individual on God and God did the strengthening. It had nothing to do with their ability to think positive thoughts or psyching themselves out. Faith is about God lifting us up. People of faith are not strong people. People of faith are weak people with faith in a strong God. And that, that gives me hope. So in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, where, where Jesus is talking about this mountain, the believer is only supposed to talk to this mountain, meaning the Mount of Olives. See, this is much larger than just our wants, but Jesus is inviting us into something larger than us, into his purpose for our lives and, and into his purpose for those around us. So when you speak to something that opposes the will of God, like the Mount of Olives, you can then pray in faith, believing that obstacle can be moved and that the will of God will be done and it will be done. What that means practically for you and me today is that we are only authorized to bring down obstacles which truly hinder the kingdom purposes of God. You want to know how to get your, your faith and your praying and your, and your fasting answered? Align yourself with the will of God. This is why when Jesus says that when we pray and when we fast, side note, he, he only says when we do, not if. But when we do these things, we're to do it in his name. John 14 says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. 
This doesn't mean we just invoke his name like a spell at the end of our prayers and then it happens. It's closer to how we would say that a bank account is in my name or this piece of real estate is in my name. The name is associated with all of these things in this bank account. See, when you and I pray, sometimes it's like we're trying to make a withdrawal from a different bank account. Like we go into the bank and we look at this bank account with all the Lamborghinis and we're like, I want one of those. (laughs) But when Jesus is saying what you ask in my name, what he's saying is just ask for the things that is in my bank account, that is in Jesus's account. What's in Jesus's name? That's what we withdraw in prayer and fasting. His will. We speak to this mountain. Our praying and our fasting can only be effective when we are in alignment with the will of God. In other words, we can't move any mountain. We can only move the mountain that opposes the will of God being accomplished. So that means that we need to know the Bible. We need to know the will of God. And we need to cultivate a deep walk with God who convicts us of right and wrong and who reveals his will to us. We can't move, I can't move a paperclip with my own faith, let alone a mountain. I mean, we can say, I rebuke this mountain in my finances. I rebuke this mountain in my relationship. I rebuke this mountain in my health. But that's irrelevant if it's not the will of God. Now, I I know what you're thinking. Well, it's so hard to find the will of God. Well, what's the point of even praying? But we shouldn't be scared of prayer. In fact, I, I believe that God wants more people praying. There's, there's not enough people praying. But what you need to understand is that there's a difference between hope and faith. See, you know how throughout all the Bible, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> Have you noticed that every single time he says that, he still goes ahead and answers the prayer. It's not, oh, you of little faith, and now we're not friends anymore, and you just shut down the miraculous in your life, and now I can't do anything. <laughs> in every example where he says, you of little faith, it's as if he's saying, okay, you suck, and here's the miracle anyway. <laughs> so we still pray prayers of hope. He wants us to be praying. But the difference is, is that when we pray, we pray prayers in hope, but we're releasing the answering to him. It's not about us forcing the answering, declaring to this mountain and making it happen. The difference is is that we pray in hope and then we trust in his will, that he will answer our prayers. And what happens is we go into prayer, perhaps asking for a Lamborghini. But as as we're in prayer and he's revealing to us his will, we might end up coming out of that prayer, being led to give our car away to our neighbors. See, we pray, but we wait for his answer, for his word. Romans 10 says this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, I love this. The context here is is in preaching. But, But the point of this is that faith doesn't come from whatever you want. It's not assumptive, it's not speculative, it's not presumptive, it's not believing hard enough, it's not copying others. See, faith isn't blind, faith is a response to somebody. It's a response to a real person who is speaking to you. 
the, see, the, the world and Christianity has totally different views on faith, just like we have different views on marriage. See, the world thinks that faith is this blind leap into nothingness. Christianity believes that faith is a response to a person and a response to their leading and a response to their guiding. One of my favorite stories of this faith is when Peter walks on water. So let's go there. Matthew 14. Jesus is saying, immediately he, Jesus, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. I love that Jesus made the disciples get onto the boat. They had no choice. In fact, if you look at this word made in the, in the Greek, it was a command. Jesus said, get in the boat, and they got in the boat. Do you want to know why they got in their boat? Because they had faith to get into the boat, because God had told them to get into the boat. Do, are you following where I'm coming from? If faith comes through the word of Christ, Jesus said, get in the boat. Now they have faith to get in the boat. If we follow on, Matthew 14, and after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. See, one, one thing we know about the disciples is that many of them were professional fishermen. See, they knew about boats. They knew about storms. They knew about the water. See, and the reason why Jesus had to make them get in is because they knew at 3 a.m. in the morning, we're going to be rowing on the spot. A storm is coming. And then we're probably going to die because of that storm. And so we see it went exactly how they thought. There they are. They're rowing at 3 a.m., they're not moving anywhere. They're thinking that they're going to die. And then we see that Jesus decides to just take a stroll on the lake to freak them out, you know, to add fear upon fear. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. It says that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> Just saying, I don't think that would have helped me. Do not be afraid. It is I. I'd still be freaking out. <laughs> and so what we see is in the, the next verse, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Well, what do we know about Peter? What we know about Peter is that he always bails on a situation when he's scared. See, this, this guy is not brave. He denied Jesus three times to a 12-year-old girl. In fact, one of my favorite Peter stories is, is, when, um, is when in the Last Supper, Jesus says to them, says to all the disciples, okay, guys, you're going to trade in your coats for swords. The next day, Peter turns up with a sword and chops a dude's ear off. And Jesus is like, oh, you miss." understood what I was meaning. <laughs> and I relate so much to Peter because so many times I just miss the entire point. <laughs> but here in this situation, Peter's not saying, I want to come out onto the waters with you, Lord, and I want to take a faith journey together with you. <laughs> what he's saying is, I'm going to die. I know that you're God. So if that's you, please get me out of here. See, in other words, I mean, in other gospels, Peter isn't even mentioned here. It's just, we're going to die, and then Jesus showed up to save us. Do you see what's happening here? 
See, the traditional interpretation is that once again, Peter is bailing on the group. <laughs> it, it puts it into perspective, doesn't it? And then it goes on. So Peter's asked him, command me to come out on the water. And Jesus replies, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. So Jesus said, come. And now Peter has the faith to walk on the water. Jesus never told me to walk on the water after that youth camp. And there are a lot of Christians living soaking wet and blaming God. And it's because we're trying to imitate someone else's faith act. And when it doesn't happen, we blame God. You can have faith only for what God has told you to do, because faith comes by the word of Christ. For those things that are in his name, for this mountain, we can have faith for. I mean, I admire the guys who stayed on the boat. See, sometimes you need faith to stay in a bad situation. The Lord told me to stay in this boat, so I'm not getting out of this boat. (laughs) He didn't tell me to come out on the water. He told me to get in the boat. Sometimes it requires more faith to stay in a situation and fight for it because that's what God told you to do. There was a miracle for Peter, but I believe there were 11 miracles still sitting in that boat because they were sitting there in faith because Jesus made them get into that boat. It was their faith act. And so many times we want the walk on water miracle. We want the breakthrough. We want the calling. We want the spirit move. But what God's told you to do is stay in the boat. What God's called you to do to have faith for is to become a godly man, to become a man of integrity, to be a good parent, to be a great wife, to be faithful with the little. That's faith. So now all the pressure's off you to live some sort of faith life. All we need to do is hear the word of God. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. It's all about being drawn into God. It's almost as if the Christian faith is more about relationship with a personal God rather than formulas to please a vindictive God. You don't need more faith. You just need a word from God. Okay, last verse, last story, and then we'll be good. Do you want to see what great faith is? In Matthew 15, it's it's one of the harder um stories in the Bible, but but I chose it because I think that it's so often our experience when it comes to faith. See, in Matthew 15, verse 22, we see this Canaanite woman. Now, the Canaanites were historically enemies of Jews. And so she's approached Jesus, who's the Jewish Messiah. Let's just read it. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So immediately she recognizes who he is. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. Like we look at this and we think, where's the compassion? If God's a loving God, surely he would have responded. Why are the disciples so crass and so so ignoring of her? I mean, how often do we approach God in prayer and this is how it feels that he responds? And sometimes you just think, Jesus, I see you. Hello. 
Why aren't you responding? <laughs> I see you looking at me. Why aren't you replying? <laughs> but what we need to see in this story is that Jesus or is that Jesus is trying to draw something out from this woman. It goes on. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. So she then throws herself at the feet of Jesus. Her petition to Jesus has moved from the level of informational, just, hey, Jesus, this is what's happening, just, just letting you know. It's moved from informational to the level of the relational. So she's sitting at his feet. It's, it's become relational. And I wonder how many times we come to God just informing him of the situation. And then when things start to improve, we have no more interaction with him until the next crisis. See, Jesus seems to turn his back on the woman to draw out what was in her heart. Did she approach him simply to get something that she needed? Or was there something deeper happening here? See, much of our faith acts, our prayer and our fasting doesn't progress past that first level. And no wonder that it's not answered. And what's sad is that too many people walk away at that point. But God is after something deeper. He wants to draw us into a relationship which is more valuable to us than any request that he could grant us. But and then the next verse comes and it seems even more heartless. And he answered her, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. <laughs> so he was still after more. The woman had moved from informational to relational. And perhaps this is your experience as well. And we get to this point where like, what more do you want, Lord? How many times do we find ourselves here? Lord, what, what more? What more do you want from me? <laughs> and then this is where the true heart is revealed in this woman. She says, yes, Lord. This must have been hard for her. She submits to his will. She says, okay, so I've brought all of these things. You know what's happening in my life, but I'm submitting my will and what I want to your will. But, and then she says this, she says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. See, so many of us leave the process in, at, at the informational Maybe you get discouraged at the relational and you're like, oh, I'm just going to give up. But even when we get to this point where we say, yes, Lord, I submit my will to you. So many people just leave it at that and they go, okay, whatever you want, God, I'm not even going to bother asking. And yet she still persists. And she's not trying to counter Jesus or argue with him. She's saying that I understand that this isn't about your overall plan for the Jews I understand that in comparison to God, I'm powerless. In comparison to the universe, I guess I am a dog. But Lord, give me a crumb. See, she moves from informational to relational. And now she moves from, to a relationship where she acknowledges that well, we deserve nothing. And all that we can do is throw ourselves on the mercy of God. Jesus seemed to withhold a small blessing for something much greater. This is what faith looks like. Faith is throwing ourselves at Jesus' feet 
whether he answers our prayers or not. Because whether he answers our prayers or not, he he still deserves our worship. To have faith is more than just to agree with him intellectually or believe that he exists. Faith is a decision to rest my life on him, to find security in him. Faith always positions itself on the solid foundation of the word of God, never on the sinking sand of this world's security and what I want and what I think will make me secure and satisfy me. To believe or to have faith means more than simply having mental assent or lack of all doubt. It's the decision of the whole person, mind, will, emotions, to take our lives and place them on a foundation that we believe to be reliable, unchanging, and true, which is God himself. See, faith is the readiness to give up anything that hinders our being able to build on this foundation, even if it's something that we are desperate, like this Canaanite woman, desperate to see happen. But and then we see from this, she's, she's in this position of faith. She's in this position of even if you don't answer me, I have submitted my will to yours and I believe in you. But she still asks, Lord, give me a, a, a crumb. And Jesus responds, oh, woman, and it's not, oh, woman, like derogatory. It's, oh, woman, and it's, it's like this emotional response that, oh, woman, great is your faith. He declares that that is great faith. And then what happens is he grants her that miracle. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. How hard is this for us to believe in today's culture? Uh, today's culture of self-entitlement, self-fulfillment, self-pleasure. We want to come to God with our requests and with our declarations and decrees. And, you know, I speak to that mountain. I say this in Jesus's name. However, Jesus is saying that true faith is moving from informational to relational, moving from relational to submission to his will, and then moving from that to going, I'm just going to throw myself on the mercy of God. That is faith. Praying and fasting is simply throwing ourselves at his feet. We're pressing deeper in our relationship with him. This is a relationship that we commit wholeheartedly to serving and following him regardless of how he answers our prayers. We'll just take the crumbs. Now, the paradoxical thing about this is that when we let go, oftentimes that's when God gives us something, as we see in this story with the Canaanite woman. In fact, it says elsewhere in Scripture that when we lose our life, we find it. When we submit to His will, when we begin to pray His will, and His will, which is good, begins to be answered in our lives. And that's one thing that you need to understand. It says that God's will is good and pleasing. If He created you, then he knows what is good for you and he knows what is pleasing for you. And so we can trust that his will, as we begin to explore his promises and his word, and as we begin to be led by the Holy Spirit, we begin to find that his will is actually the best thing for us. See, my prayer is that as we continue to seek him, that our prayer would be, Lord, I throw myself on your mercy. I won't pretend like you owe me something. All I want is you. Draw near to me as I draw near to you. 
Help me to know your will. Give me a word so that I can have faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How often is that us? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You might not receive everything the way that you want, but watch as your faith grows and flourishes and then experience the goodness of God in your life as his good and pleasing will begins to work in your life. Do we still pray for personal desires? Absolutely. (laughs) We pray prayers of hope. But will we lose our faith if those prayers don't get answered? No, because our faith is in a person, not an object or in answered prayer. It's in his will, which is ultimately beneficial for us, not our will.